And again, all of those people have business models to some degree, degree, right? They get paid. They they have to make a living, um, but they are marketing for the cause first and foremost because they have to change minds in order for how they make a living uh, to come into play. Welcome to Longevity Gains, the show that reveals the near limitless opportunities for digital marketers and entrepreneurs in the longevity economy. We're talking about the people aged 50 and over who already account for more than half of consumer spending in the U.S. and 83% of household wealth, which will only increase in the years to come. It's the $22 trillion opportunity you can't afford to ignore. Brian, you were not the uh, the only one who had a birthday recently. My dad recently turned 70, uh, so we hung out with them last weekend. And it was really interesting because, you know, I was talking with, with him and my mom, and they were talking, it was one of their neighbors or like someone they saw on TV, I don't remember who it was, but, you know, someone who was kind of struggling and looked old, and how in that moment they had the realization that they were the same age as that person. And my parents, you know, they're, you know, they, they do not seem like they're 70. You know, they're, my dad's really active. He plays golf. He bikes. My mom's the same way. And, and that's what he said. He's like, I just don't think of myself as being 70. And, you know, it was a real reminder to me of how futile it is to, you know, project how someone will be or what they'll think or what they'll be interested in just based on their age, you know, because it's... It, trying to paint with that broad brush just doesn't work. And I don't I don't know if it would have stuck out to me quite as much before as now that we're doing this podcast, but it just really struck me when he said that in his own words that he doesn't see himself that way and any messages that would be targeted at him like he's a quote-unquote 70-year-old, you know, wouldn't wouldn't fly with him. Wouldn't wouldn't land with him. So it was just it was interesting kind of seeing them talk about that just through the course of a normal conversation. Yeah, you know that's subjective age um, in in uh, process right there, and it happens to most everyone, especially those who have more positive attitudes towards aging, which is becoming more and more common. And it's our job to advocate uh, for those positive feelings to move forward, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. But here's the other thing, you know, my my parents are eighty one and seventy six. And same thing, you know, even objectively, you wouldn't necessarily guess their age and certainly not by observe, uh, you know, observing their activity levels or, or anything like that. But, you know, with the new middle age that we, we keep talking about, your dad's got five years left till he's even kind of old, mm-hmm. right? Now, isn't that kind of cool to think about? I, I love it. It, well, you know, and on on the flip side, you know, my father-in-law, um, who is about the same age as my dad, is really starting to struggle. You know, like you're kind of starting to see some cognitive decline. It's probably getting close to time for him to not be able to drive. He'll call me every now and then with questions about, you know, how to operate the remote control and do certain things, you know. And so, and it's just, you know, it's just the natural process and it's just, you know, the differences. Um, but it's really, it has just really highlighted, you know, how important it is you know, to treat individuals as individuals and not, and especially, you know, with older, you know, adults, not just think that everybody's going to be the same again, you know, just based on their age. Um, and that those differences I think are just going to be highlighted, you know, as, 
you know, people are able to live longer and have longer health spans and all that stuff. So it's just, it's so important to keep in mind. Yeah. In that sense, I would like to help make people more uniform and the same, right? Because as we've talked about, health span in the United States, especially is not evenly distributed at all. It's, yeah. it's very tied to education level, uh, the part of the country you live in, the culture, all of that is just completely disparate. So it's not like income inequality, but it definitely is an educational thing where certain people have different attitudes, take better care of themselves, eat differently. Meanwhile, you know, almost half the, the country is, is technically obese. I mean, we've got a food problem in this country, and this affects people of all ages. So it's not an old person thing. It's right. really an individual, uh, individual values and attitudes towards yourself, uh, which need to stick with you as you get older. And um, that's wow. part of the battle here. It's not just anti-ageism. It's really about, you know, take care of yourself. The second half of your life is the better half by, <laughs> according to research, right? It's not... Yeah. It's not some BS that uh, we're making up, you know, to motivate people to feel good or some sort of toxic positivity. No, it's this is the truth. This is reality. It's yeah. science backed. Uh, and all the information we have about nutrition and exercise and sleep, it all works. It's not complicated, not easy to get right. going. Trust me. I, you know, I've had my yo-yo uh, years back and forth. It's rough, but uh, I really feel like I'm on track right now because I know at 56, I can't be yo-yoing in the other direction anymore and really have the life I want to live going forward. So it really sank sank in at that point where, okay, you know, I, I feel better when I'm, when I take better care of myself and it really truly matters now your grace period is over you gave yourself a 50 year grace period <laughs> i don't want to hear that cuz i'm i'm 42 and i'm already thinking about i don't want to i don't want to yo-yo so i don't want to hear about 50 year grace period well no i let's, told let's you let's call it 42 and i'm i'm ready to stop i told that. you jared start lifting weights now slowly <laughs> just get in the habit of it you'll you'll be thankful for it but it'll really pay off you know 20 yeah. years from now Anyway, so you mentioned an interesting word earlier, which is advocacy. And, you know, I think one of the unique things about the longevity economy is it really does. It seems to kind of blur the lines between marketing and advocacy, uh, you know, because there are so many larger societal issues at play here beyond just selling things to older people. Yeah, and that's true. And there's a distinction between what I would call. um advocacy advertising, which is specifically cause-based, and you might see that from a nonprofit or a government agency or uh, some other activist group, and then advocacy marketing, where you take these larger issues, and we see this a lot, um, again, with value-based campaigns from companies, and sometimes they work, like for Patagonia, no one doubts their environmental sincerity, right? And their broader 
uh, commitment to social justice. But a lot of values-based marketing has nothing to do with necessarily social justice issues. Apple, of course, our favorite example, mm-hmm. you know, has values about creativity and nonconformity and all of this kind of good stuff has nothing to do. It's really individual based. Who do you want to be? Who do you aspire to be? Right. So values based marketing is not always an advocacy thing for a societal issue. But when it comes to the longevity economy and um, specifically trying to build up this ignored aspect, this huge marketplace, it inherently involves aspects of advocacy because it's ageism and negative attitudes and worker discrimination, you know, employment discrimination, and just all these attitudes that need to change. You can't help but advocate for change within that context. But you have to be, I think you have to be careful about how you do it. So on one hand, um, there is anti-ageism advocacy, um, which is growing um, a lot of the mainstream media attention that just in the last six months, it really amazes me because when I started Longevity Games, and I think you felt the same way too, you're like, yeah, I get it, but how many years is this going to take to happen? And it just is happening. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. a flood of awareness that's starting to happen. Now, I'm not saying everyone's automatically reversing the way they think. I mean, the recent New Yorker cover that had Biden and Trump and Pelosi and all of the people with walkers and all that. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. political commentary, but it's flat out ageist and ableism. You know, it's I mean, it was really uh, they're trying to defend it by saying, well, the guy who drew it is 65. That doesn't mean it's not ages. Older people are some of the most ageist people there are towards themselves, right? And so that's part of it too. So there's advocating for change among what we would call stakeholders, employers, uh, designers, construction, all of these shifts that need to be made uh, to our built infrastructure in our society in order to accommodate the aging population. But then there's what we've been calling empowerment is a form of advocacy for the attitudes of older people themselves. Like, again, these are going to be, these are good times. You know, you, you need to take care of yourself. You can have an amazing life. You're not on the downhill out of here. That's not the way to think about it. So there's that aspect of it too. But when it comes to true anti-ageism advocacy, uh, there's there's been a lot of people that I've been introduced to uh, over the last five years of doing further, but also uh, in the last year. So our new friend, Bradley Sherman, um, he wrote the book, The Super Age, which is incredibly insightful as we discussed about outlining what's happening and the consequences of not taking action versus taking action. And and Bradley runs an ageless design um, firm, right? So his advocacy fuels his business model because if he can make uh, companies more aware that they're missing out on billions of dollars, uh, by not taking into account these issues, Bradley can come in and help them do that, right? 
But at first, he has to change their attitudes and see the opportunity in the first place. And I think he does a great job. Um, Ashton Applewhite, uh, she wrote a book called This Chair Rocks, which most copywriters will say that's a damn good title right there. Mm -hmm. um, I've been following her on LinkedIn. Uh, Jeanette Liardi, uh, when we talked to Richard Eisenberg, he mentioned her work as well. She does amazing work also on LinkedIn. Everything's happening on LinkedIn, basically, yeah. uh, with a lot of these people. Janine Vanderberg is someone who lives here in Colorado, but I've not been able to connect with her. But she does videos like all the time explaining various issues and educating. Uh, then you got people like authors, like Michael Clinton, who uh, we talked about also with Bradley. Um, he was like the head of Harper Publishing or something. Like he was a high-powered publishing executive. Yeah. And then he left, and now he he wrote the book Roar Into uh midlife or later life something like that i we're, we're definitely gonna we're gonna try to talk to all of these people right i promise i'm not name dropping them just for that reason i want to recognize their work and you should go follow them but yeah these are the people who we'd love to get on the show going forward because they're they're fighting the good fight right mm -hmm. now that and again all of those people have business models to some degree, degree, right? They get paid. They they have to make a living, um, but they are marketing for the cause first and foremost because they have to change minds in order for how they make a living uh, to come into play. Like Ashton um, writes books and gives speeches. She has a great TED talk on the to topic, right? So various ways to go about it, but advocacy is at the heart of it. Now, if you're not someone whose model is tied to kind of, you know, changing the minds of the people surrounding older people, like employers and institutions and governments and the general population, then I think you have to be careful because if you come across as insincere or disingenuous i think you're going to get you're going to get the backfire effect on you instead of instead of scoring points with older consumers yeah well because people see the messages and you know they're almost distracted from what you're trying to advocate for by wondering if you're sincere wondering what the you know what's the underlying motivation here you know beyond just advocating for the cause yeah, and it you know, we we live in such a cynical world and for a lot of reasons that's justified, right? I mean, you you can't really be naive or Pollyanna about the fact that profit uh especially in the United States is the god that's worshiped at the corporate level. Um so even when companies try to do good, like I mentioned Patagonia, I don't think anyone questions their sincerity a lot of people perhaps uh, of a certain political stance don't like patagonia and i never really understand why people hate the environment that doesn't seem to make sense to me but obviously there are people who are not fans but you know patagonia is fine with that right i mean they're they're doing just great um by engaging strongly with the people that uh they meet with but then you get a company again like apple who's values-based marketing is highly effective, but it's not about social issues. So 
when they want to come out and talk about the things they're doing to combat climate change, to become a, uh, a greener company, to make real impacts on their with their manufacturing and their physical plant and all of that, and also to become an example to other companies. I mean, depending on the day, Apple's the largest company in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a huge amount of influence, not just on consumers, but on other companies as well who are trying to play catch up, which is hard enough in general, but certainly tough when it's Apple. But did you happen to see their the new commercial or video? I guess it's only a YouTube video. I don't know. Um, but I watched it and I was like, man, this is well done because they take that skepticism. They start from no one's going to believe us. Because they, you know, they just think corporations are evil and they don't care about anything and they pretend to care, but it's only to make more money. So they they started there with this character of Mother Nature and then addressed every single objection. And again, this is a copywriting thing, right? Every objection that the, the viewer has, uh, you need to address. And they did it in a really clever way and I, I was really impressed yeah. with it what did you think I, I mean i thought it was brilliant and we'll link to it uh in the show notes like when you say like there's literally an actress playing mother nature who's kind of right. there you know with a very kind of stern you know motherly uh you know disposition you know asking these questions and, and kind of becoming more and more pleasantly surprised as as they went oh yeah oh, wow. she's like you tougher. doing this <laughs> she's tougher than the hardest troll out yeah. on the internet right she's just like and her attitude is just like you guys are full of it and i'm gonna find out how you're full of it and she just runs them through it and they've got they've got a substantive answer to everything yeah. and again that you know you're not going to win over everyone but that was a very clever way to acknowledge the conversation that's happening inside people's mind which is corporations are full of it they're they're you know they just pretend to do good blah 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 so you acknowledge that and then you knock down the objections one by one so yeah take a look at it, it it's obviously not in the realm that we're talking about but it's an idea of how to deal with cynicism when you're using advocacy um as part of any sort of public relations or marketing initiative I love the the first part. You don't really know what's going on in Tim Cook. Everybody's assembling for this meeting and Tim Cook's there like reciting lines that he's going to say, "Hi, I'm Tim Cook. How are you doing?" "Hi." He's like trying to practice. Them. I thought really that funny. was funny, but my only criticism of the of the whole effort is Tim Cook can't act. He just well, he's not this good. Is true. <laughs> but you had to have him in there though, you know? Oh, That's you had thing. to. I'm glad had they had there. him in there. Yeah, it was He's a great CEO. He can act. You know, keep your day job, Tim. It's made you a few <laughs> yeah. billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty good little day job there that he has. Uh, no, that's great. It's a it's a really well done ad. Um, okay, so you know one of the things there's kind of a difference here between when we talk about advocacy. There's a difference between advocacy advertising and advocacy marketing. Can you kind of highlight? And some of the differences are, can be a little subtle. Can you highlight some of the differences between those two? Yeah, I mean you know advocacy advertising. Um, and again, in the, in the realm of social media, we don't need it to be a commercial, 
you know, a TV spot, a radio spot, or a magazine ad like it used to be, um, advocacy advertising can happen on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, what have you. It really comes down to the purpose. And when you've got advocacy advertising, you're promoting a social issue, right? Or a public health issue or some sort of controversial topic, whether it be drunk driving or, you know, something that that impacts um, the social well-being or public health or something like that. If you're doing advocacy marketing, uh, such as you would in the longevity economy, you're you're promoting a product or service through advocacy for your your company, for your brand, but by doing it in a way that highlights relevant issues that uh, effectively empower your consumers, uh, both with the messaging and information or the content that you're giving, and also ultimately the product and service itself. You know, uh, the target audience is different here too. You know, with advocacy in general, you're, you're trying to reach voters, the general public, other advocacy groups, basically to join the movement um, and and spark change, but you know, with, with a with a company that is operating and serving uh, older consumers, you're trying to speak to both your existing and potential customers, and I think that's fairly obvious. And yet, that's where it becomes a, a little more uh, sophisticated in how you think about it so that you don't create something cringe that uh, actually backfires on you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, advocacy advertising, what, like I said, you could do television ads, print ads. A lot of it is social media these days. Uh, you can knock on doors, you know, good old fashioned canvassing, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're doing marketing, you're doing all the same sort of distribution methods uh, that you would paid ads, events, reviews, endorsements, social media. Um, but it's really the content of the message, right? What you say and how you say it so that you're advocating for change in a broader sense, but you're doing it one customer at a time. And again, takes a little bit of finesse. I mean, you do not want, I mean, Jared, you've seen people who try to latch onto a cause and it backfires on them and they they become the main character on Twitter. Have you heard this well, <laughs> on I mean, Twitter? There's, there's a main character every day and you never want it to be you. Right. Like everyone's dogpiling on you. <laughs> yes. That's what can happen. <laughs> well, and the thing here, I mean, it, it can be a very fine line between exploiting and supporting, you know? And so you have to make sure that in the words that you use, that you come off as authentically, you know, in support of this cause and genuinely want to help this cause, whether it, you know, brings you benefit or not. Otherwise you can be seen as exploiting it. And that's where it gets I, cringy and people are like, whoa, you know, that's, yes, I'm not here for this. That is, I guess that's a, that's probably the perfect way to sum it up where it's not authentic. I mean, in our uh, last premium lesson, we really, last couple of them, we really talk about uh, core values and how that ties back to the concept of uh, founder problem fit, or what I would now say is leader problem fit, meaning you're on a mission to change things for the better, and you're doing it within the context of a business. 
And as we've talked about many times, marketing created this ageist youth culture that we have at the very beginning of the baby boomer generation. So it stands to reason that in addition to all the anti-ageism, activism, uh, government programs, general education, all of that kind of stuff, it's marketers treating older people with respect that's going to have the most impact. I mean, it sounds bad to a certain degree, but we live in a highly commercialized, highly consumer-oriented capitalist society, and change happens through markets. Um, should it perhaps have a little more uh, intervention from others? Maybe, but if you're looking at what's happening in the capital right now with the current political fiasco, nothing's getting done. It's theatrics. It's nonsense. I mean, we, clowns are running uh, the House of Representatives. You know, it, it's just disheartening. Mm -hmm. So what I can do as a marketer and entrepreneur is create change in the way I do best, which is effectively advocacy marketing. And, and go back to what we thought of. When you really think about what is a movement, what is thought leadership? It's advocacy. But you're advocating for true change, not just more dollar bills in your pocket. Now, you can get those dollar bills in your pocket if you do a good job. That's the beauty of it. It's a win-win. But we're talking about empowerment against the status quo. The status quo right now is older people are ignored, or when they're not, they're treated like they're a problem to be solved instead of people who want to live vibrant, amazing lives. Well, and this is why it's so important to have an actual mission at the heart of what you're doing. And the mission can't just be make money, right? Like if you're going to lead a movement, it's got to be genuine. You know, you have to genuinely want to help solve the problems of whatever this group is facing. And you may have a solution that you can make money on. And, you know, it's not like that has to be on the back burner, but you've got to have the genuine desire to help too, because otherwise people see through it. You just, you can't fool people that long, you know? And so whatever you're doing isn't going to be sustainable, even from a profit perspective, if there's no there there, you know, if you're not actually yeah. into it. What I would love to see is 20 years from now, we no longer have to advocate for any of this stuff. It just, the longevity economy becomes the economy because when you look yeah. at the population shift, that's what's going to happen. And if we don't embrace older people, we're not going to have enough workers. We're not, our economy is going to shrink drastically along with birth rates. It's a disaster. Everyone has the motivation to make this the new status quo. But guess what? It Even with the increased attention we're seeing lately, people are entrenched. It's going to take a while. And in my experience, um, an a, a really well thought out uh, strategic and genuine advocacy type of, of marketing where you're trying to help people by getting them to understand reality, if you will, right? The the heart of empowerment marketing is telling the truth. And in this case, the truth is on our sides. The truth is on the side of older people who are healthier, stronger, more vibrant than ever in the history of the world.
Well, you know, and the, and the thing is, and one of the reasons why I've always loved working with you is, you know, when you think about all the businesses that you've started and, you know, many of which, you know, I've been involved with in some capacity, they've really had advocacy at the heart of them, you know, and that's been a big part of why they've succeeded. Yeah. So that's why the realization that I was always um, joining movements um, with every business was so obvious once I realized it, but it was also like, wow, okay, here's the secret sauce, right? (laughs) And that's really helped me. Um, I had to step away from being the CEO of of this eight-figure business um, after the acquisitions to have time just to sit there and think about it. But you're right. So way back before Copyblogger, I had a real estate business. It was uh, positioned around advocating for real estate buyers by pointing out the conflicts of interest that come from trying to play both sides, essentially the way the entire real estate industry is set up, right? That was my first experience with spotting a movement within a commercial discipline that was against the status quo, but it resonated with me at a mission and purpose level because I was an attorney. When you're an attorney, you have to understand fiduciary duty and you have to be like strict about looking out for your client's interests. Meanwhile, real estate people were like, I'm a salesperson. I don't care. I'm just trying to make that commission. Right. So it was perfect positioning for who I was, what I was good at, my background and what I believed. Right. Then when I started copy blogger, I'm advocating for bloggers and writers to make a living. And I had to steer them away from what they thought was how you do that. Uh, by teaching them what I had learned the previous seven years. Then I advocated for non-technical business and creator users with WordPress, uh, which really, that was our home run. You know, I mean, (laughs) we made so much from just spotting that an open source movement such as WordPress is founded by technical people. It has to be. They're developing software. They don't understand non-technical people at the level. You know, the curse of knowledge thing is strong in that realm. So I am one of those people. I'm using WordPress since the beginning, 2005, right? And by 2008, we had entered this brand new premium market because we were able to build things that helped people like me, like other content creators, bloggers, what have you, anyone who wanted to do certain things with a website but didn't know how to code, our products helped them with that. So that was, yet again, advocacy in a movement. WordPress was a movement. I didn't start it. I just became a leader for my slice of it. And that made us millions and millions and millions of dollars a year, right? In 2007, I advocated for the rise of online education uh, before it really got started. It it was amazing how hard it was to convince bloggers at the time because they were infected with these ideas of no one will ever pay for information again. No, you know, it it was a very idealistic thing. So I'm like, that's probably not correct. Now we look at it and it's just a big money free for all, but (laughs) It's hard for people to believe how much things have changed in the last, what, 17, 20 years, right? Oh, my. Um, Then I started further, and I became an advocate for Generation X, and now generally for people 
you know, around the age of 50 moving forward. I would call it what Bradley Sherman calls the extended midlife or midlife plus, right? Uh, but it was it's it was really cool positioning it as advocating for Generation X because we're already the forgotten generation. Then you turn 50 and everyone else ignores you for another reason. I mean, I'm kind of joking here, but I'm kind of not, right? It's uh, the themes and the values and the attitudes that you can play with in in that kind of advocacy marketing role are both fun, but they they connect, right? They connect with people. Uh, Maybe a little funny, but it ain't that funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, with longevity games, we're advocating for older people in general. And uh, yeah, this is the one consistency of my entire career. Um, It's the overriding, I think, framework of how I've succeeded uh, creating thought leadership content, content marketing. So you still have to figure out what to say and how to say it. But to me, I think it's been easier because I really believe it. And that drives me. And I don't quit. And it connects hard with people because it it just doesn't look like the same old silly marketing. Yeah, Silly marketing is what we need to avoid. <laughs> silly, yes. No more silly marketing. No silly marketing at all. Well, that's a great note to end on, uh, Brian. We'll remind everybody to go to longevitygains.com slash premium uh, to get uh, to get all the premium goodies that we have uh, over there. Any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Yeah, the, our whole empowerment marketing framework is really how you do that. Um, I'm not even halfway through it yet, but uh, uh, it's... Uh, it's the evolution of what I've been trying to teach for the last five years, um, based on what I've done for the last 25 years. And I keep getting, uh, I think a deeper understanding because when, when you're just doing it yourself, uh, you don't, you know, necessarily think about a step-by-step process of how you're doing it. So it's really forced me to dig deep uh, and then, of course, I'm going to really teach the first, uh, whatever you want to call it, persuasion or thought leadership course. I've always said I was never going to do a general writing or content creation course. But now I realize that that's the part I was leaving out. <laughs> and uh, that's the part I got to fill in the gaps with. So uh, it's exciting. Got a whole bunch of new uh, premium subscribers and uh I'm definitely not going to let them down. So if you want to join us, hop on board. Absolutely. And check us out next week. We'll be back with a new episode of Longevity Gains. Until then, have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs>